Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, last week, we concluded a series on the names of God called AKA God. Next week, of course, is Easter. Really excited about that. And so today, we want to take some time and just talk about Easter. Not necessarily the story of Easter, but how we can be strategic as we approach Easter. So I want to start out with a game called What Am I? I will describe something for you, and you just try to see if you can guess what it is. Ready to go? Okay, it is red or yellow, but sometimes green. It's about the size of a baseball. Well, can be the size of a golf ball. Some people love it. Some people hate it. It's good for you. And there's confusion about whether or not it's a fruit or vegetable. Did that last clue give it away? Well, since many of you are watching this at home right now, why don't you just take a few moments and talk about it and give each other your guess and you can see if you're right or not. And while you're doing that, I'll just do a quick digital countdown for you. So you ready? You can go ahead and start. Here we go. Time's up. All right, did you get it? Well, it is, of course, a tomato. Yep, how many of you got that? Hopefully you, uh, you got that right. I, I love tomatoes. Um, well, I love tomatoes in Indiana in July and August that are fresh, picked right off the vine. Um, we grow tomatoes at home, and that time of year, I eat them all the time. I eat them every single day. Store-bought tomatoes? Not so much. I can eat them on salad or sandwich, but I just can't eat them plain. Something interesting happens every year in July or August in Indiana. Somebody who grows tomatoes grows so many that they have a conversation with someone else that goes like this. Do you like tomatoes? Because I have so many right now that there's no way we can eat them all. And they're going to go to waste. Would you take some tomatoes? You know, there are times where something, you have so much of it that you just got to give it away. You got to share it with others because if you don't, it's just going to go to waste. Thanksgiving, right? If you host Thanksgiving at your house, Thanksgiving meal, there are always leftovers. And you probably can't eat them all yourself. So what do you do? You send leftovers home with those who came, right? You share them. And of course, sometimes there's that one relative who brings their own Tupperware. You know, it's a little bit presumptuous, but hey, they know they're going to go home with leftovers, so they figure, why not just bring our own Tupperware? Yeah, right? Or sometimes there are things that are so good, like good news, that you have to share it with others too, like a fantastic new restaurant or maybe a great movie as well. Well, we're going to look at a story today where both things are true, where there was so much of something that they had to share it and where it was so good, the news was so good that they had to share it as well. It's a story that's tucked away in the pages of the Old Testament. In fact, it could be a story that you've never heard before, or even if you have heard it, even if you've read it, you've thought to yourself, why is this story in the Bible? Well, the story is in 2 Kings. 
in the Bible. And 2 Kings, of course, is in the Old Testament. That's the first half of our Bible. One of the main characters in the story is a guy by the name of Elisha. Now, if you have some familiarity with the Bible, you've probably heard that name. Pretty common name, Elisha. He was a prophet of God. He was a prophet in Israel. And as we start reading our story in 2 Kings chapter 7, you'll see that he's mentioned right from the start. So here we go, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Now, here's what's happening. There was a nation that was beside Israel called Aramea. And it's located, you look on the map, you see it's in the green, and Israel here is in the blue. And the nation of Aramea was in the process of overtaking the nation of Israel. And I say in the process because what was happening is they were laying siege to the nation of Israel, which was a common practice in those days. The way you would overtake another nation is you would just cut off their supplies, you know, especially of food and drinks and everything else. And eventually, over weeks or months or years, they would starve to death or they would surrender first. And that's what's happening here. This nation of Aramea, which was right next to Israel, is doing that. That would be where modern-day Syria is as well. So in Israel, the situation is desperate. There's no food. So Elisha saying, right now the price of food is sky high. It, it would be kind of like gas being $25 a gallon or a large one-topping pizza costing $100. So think about that. And in waltzes Elisha. And he says, hey everybody, just so you know, by tomorrow, at this time, a gallon of gas is only going to cost a nickel, and an extra-large pizza with everything on it is going to cost one dollar. Well, how would you react to that? Well, you might react like the guy in this story did. He said, even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, that could not happen. Well, if you were thinking that, or if you would react like that, be glad you weren't this guy. <laughs> because Elisha says, well, you'll be around tomorrow to see this happen, but you're not going to enjoy it, because soon after that, you're going to die. Yeah, apparently he caught Elisha on a bad day. So, just know this. The situation in Israel is desperate. It is dire. There is hardly any food. You didn't even know if you were going to eat the next day. You know, some of you in recent uh, days or weeks have been to the store and you couldn't get the meat you wanted. Or maybe you couldn't get toilet paper. You couldn't get paper towels, something like that. And it frustrated you. But this is way beyond frustration. They weren't even sure they were going to live to see the next day if they couldn't get food. So let's continue reading the story and see what happens next. Now, 
there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die, they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. And if they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of the speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. Do you have a picture here of what's going on? I mean, God does a miracle. The enemy thought they were being attacked, so they ran for their lives, leaving everything behind. And these four men with leprosy stumble across this deserted camp full of food, drink, and everything else. They just hit the lottery. It's like they walked into Fogo de Chao, the Brazilian steakhouse, with all the food prepared, all the steak you can eat, everything's hot, there are sides, there are salads, and there's nobody else there. It's all yours. And on top of that, there's a million dollars in cash sitting there for you. So what they do? They hit it. Theirs to enjoy the rest of their short lives, more than they'll ever need to eat or drink, more money than they could ever dream about spending. They would lack nothing as long as their short lives would last. But I want you to notice what happens next. This is verse 9. Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing with anyone if we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. So they went back to the city and told the gatekeepers what had happened. Then the gatekeeper shouted the news to the people in the palace. Did you catch that line, their words again? They said, this is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. There are times where what you have is so good that you have to share it with others or you have so much an abundance of it. You can't keep it to yourself. You know, I love that we read that it says it was good news. I think there's significance to that. When we talk about the message of the Bible that Jesus died for our sins, came back to life, offering us forgiveness, a relationship with him, and the promise of eternal life, that is good news. Guess what? You can't keep that to yourself. It's too good not to share. In overabundance and in difficult, even desperate times, people are longing for good news. Sound familiar? The guys with leprosy not only have more than they could consume, 
But the people back in the city were dying of starvation. You can't keep that to yourself. Just suppose a doctor came up with a cure for cancer, and he's a friend of yours, and you get cancer. So he says to you, hey, I've discovered the cure for cancer. I can cure you, but don't tell anyone. Keep it to yourself. Nobody would do that, would they? I mean, that good news would be a breaking news story. That news would spread throughout the world instantaneously. And when I read this story, this one from 2 Kings, my mind immediately goes to the abundance of God's grace. God's grace that he would send Jesus into our world to die for us while we were still sinners and didn't deserve it. And Jesus died for everyone so that we can have forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. Grace is the most amazing gift ever offered to anyone. We read this in Ephesians 1, verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave us our sins. By the way, the rest of the story from 2 Kings 7 is this. There was more food and wine than all the people could consume, as well as abundant supplies. And as for what the Elisha told the king's officer, remember the one who said, this couldn't happen if the windows of heaven opened. Because he had ridiculed the prophet, what Elisha said came true. He died. Obviously, Elisha was not a guy to be messed with. Now, if you're wondering where I'm going with this, this is where I hope this all comes together for you. The message we have called good news, the gospel of the grace of God in our lives, is something we can't keep to ourselves. Our vision as a church, our values as a church, our strategy as a church are all driven by the belief that the grace of God is too good to keep to ourselves. Many of us have been recipients of that grace. It's changed our lives. And that's why our vision is to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. I don't have to tell you that this year, Easter Sunday is going to be different. Here's what I would tell you if it was a normal Easter. I would say, Easter weekend is coming. This is the best Sunday of the year to invite your friends. We've prayed about them. We've planned our services with your friends in mind. We celebrate Easter at the Reg by giving Easter to our friends who normally wouldn't go to church. But this year's different. Not a bad different. In fact, God has a way of taking what we consider to be bad and bringing good from it. And I believe he's going to do that this year as well. Um, what a better time to have a message of hope, huh? So here's what we're asking you to do. The same thing we've asked you to do every year. Invite. But this year, just go about it a little differently. Uh, we'll be streaming our services on Facebook at 10 a.m. on Easter. And here's how you can invite this year. Three ways. First... Share the link to our Easter service on Facebook. 
You'll find a post about our Easter services at the Ridge 24.7 on Facebook. Share it with all your friends. Let them know that we have an online service at 10 a.m. on Easter. There are people who normally don't go to church who might actually not attend with you on Easter by coming to church, but who would tune in online. So we're excited about the opportunity we have this year. Easter plans are different for most people this year anyway because get-togethers are discouraged. And, you know, for all of us who are sports fans, we have nothing to watch on TV Easter Sunday afternoon anyway. I'm still grieving the fact that I can't sit down on Sunday afternoon after celebrating the resurrection of Jesus in the morning and watch the final round of the Masters Golf Tournament from Augusta, Georgia this year. My favorite golf tournament in the world. Insert the sigh right there. Here's a second way you can invite on Easter. You can host a Facebook watch party. And if you don't know what that is, it simply means you invite people to watch the service together on Facebook while you're all sitting in your homes. And if you want more information about that, if you need instructions on how to do that, um, just go to our website, go to theridge.org Easter, and you'll find all of that there. Here's a third way you can invite for the Easter, and it's this. Send out a digital invitation. Again, you just go to theridge.org Easter, and you'll have all the instructions you need right there. And you know what? If you want, you can be creative. You can probably come up with some ways on your own to invite people to watch our services that we haven't even suggested. But do this. Just give an invitation. That's what we're asking you to do this year for Easter. You know, if you think about it, every major intersection in your life is the result of an invitation. You could tell your life story through the lens or filter of an invitation. College acceptance. Will you go out on a date with me? A job offer. Will you marry me? Think about it. You're in this world because of an invitation. Somewhere at the beginning of your story, somebody invited somebody else somewhere. Hopefully that began with a date and then a whole bunch of dates, followed by a proposal and then a wedding. Some of the best things in life are the result of an invitation. An invitation is a powerful thing. Some of your greatest regrets in life are the result of an invitation. You wish you hadn't gone. You wish you hadn't called him back. You wish you hadn't gotten in the car. You wish you hadn't gone to that party. You wish you'd said no. An invitation has the power to change someone's life. This means you have the power to change the trajectory of someone else's entire life through an invitation. That's what drives us as a church. That's what's behind our vision. We want to give you invite opportunities. We want to be a church where you can invite your friends who don't go to church, and we want to do that 52 Sundays a year. This year, that doesn't change. It's just different. We plan our Sunday morning services with your friends in mind. We've done that this year as well. It's just going to be online. Now, if you're not a regular attending Ridger and you're just watching or listening in today, you figured out by now that we're talking to people who attend here regularly. We call them Ridgers, about inviting for Easter next Sunday. But this also tells you what's inherent in what we do as a church. 
So that's why you hear me talking about our vision, and we're talking about our values, our strategies at church. So actually, it's a good time for you to listen in because it gives you a better understanding about who we are as a church, what makes us tick. Statistics would say that most people who attend church do so as the result of an invitation. The national average is over 80%, and our numbers reflect the national average. That doesn't change just because we're inviting online. And as I mentioned, some may attend online even when they wouldn't attend with you at church. You can watch in the comfort of your home. And, you know, if you have new Easter clothes that you plan to wear this year, just put them on, you know, take a picture of them on, put them on Facebook, Snapchat, um, Instagram, whatever you want to do. Perhaps the best part about this year is that if the sermon gets a little long or a little boring, you can just tune it out, can't you? Now, we don't recommend that, uh, but obviously that's not new information to any of you. But I promise it won't be that way this year because Adam has worked hard and we prayed hard. So this is a sermon you're going to want to hear, and you're going to want to invite your friends to hear it as well. We're still doing whatever it takes this year. Many of our values reflect our vision. And I get fired up every time I read our values, and this one especially, because it says, we believe nothing matters if people don't matter. And the description of this value is, because we're motivated by God's love, we will do anything short of sin to introduce people to Jesus. We will use current language and daily life experiences to communicate truth. Or even values that we have like, we give everything our best shot. That's a driving force in how we plan our Sunday morning services, even for our guests. And the fact that we have a value that says we are contributors and not consumers. We're quick to say that church isn't about us. It's about our friends. So we unapologetically give Easter to our friends, and we plan the service with them in mind. We started praying for and planning this service months ago. Nothing has changed other than the fact that we'll be watching it online instead of attending in person. I invited a friend on Easter once, and he came. That's the only time, which is fine. Sometime after that, I was hanging out with some folks, including this friend, and a person brought up the topic of church. They were complaining about church, and they said something like this, going to church is like driving to work. You know how it is when you drive to work, and you finally get to work, and you think back, did I stop at all the red lights? I mean, you've done the same thing over and over and over again, and you just do it mindlessly. When I go to church, later I don't even remember what happened there. Of course, I'm thinking, you know I'm standing right here, right? (laughs) Well, at that point, my friend jumped in and said, oh, you should try the ridge. It's not like that at all. I was shocked to hear him say that, but I love that. I've often said that uh, I would love to listen in on some of those invite conversations that people have, and for that one, I got to. The key to Easter this year is you. Just invite in one of the three ways we've suggested. Why? Not because we're trying to get bigger as a church. That's never been our desire. Not because we think there's something wrong with our friends, you know, like the friend who offers a breath mint. 
You know, is it really that bad, you know? Or when the friend keeps inviting you to Weight Watchers, and you go, wow, is it really that noticeable? But we do invite our friends because we've discovered good news that is too good not to share. There's an abundance of God's love and grace. It was transformational for us, and there's more available to others. We don't need to see our church get bigger, but we do want to see the number of people who have not heard the message of good news and had a chance to respond to that get smaller. Several weeks ago, after we started streaming our services um, because we couldn't meet together, uh, we got an email from a Ridger, and here's what they told us. This Ridger had an acquaintance who they hadn't seen in over a year. In fact, they hadn't spoken in many months. And out of the blue, this person, this friend, just texted the Ridger. And the topic came up about that we were streaming our services online. So the friend decided to check it out on Sunday morning. Her response, she texted the Ridger and she said, I really enjoyed this morning, good stuff. And that may have been someone who hadn't been to church in like 30 years. God can always take what we perceive to be bad situations and bring good from them. And we're confident that he can take this horrible pandemic this year and actually help us do whatever it takes maybe to reach some people that perhaps we wouldn't be able to otherwise. So we're asking you to do one thing this week. Invite. Invite for Easter. And again, there are at least three ways you can do that. You can share it on Facebook. You can host a watch party. You can send a digital invitation. Again this year, let's do whatever it takes for Easter Sunday. I'd like to pray for us. God, I thank you for the richness of your grace towards us, that there's an abundance of your love and grace available to everyone, and it's too good not to share with others. And so our heart's desire is that our friends will be able to hear the transformational message that we have at one time heard because of the incredible hope and promise it gives us for this life and for the future. God, I want to pray again for what's happening in our world today, the pandemic and just how it has so many people unsettled and it has this feeling like we don't know what the future holds and some who are even sick right now. I pray for them. But God, you are our hope and you give us promise even in the most difficult times of life. Man, with Easter coming this next weekend, what an incredible opportunity we have just to celebrate the hope and promise we have in you. So we look forward to doing that and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.